0: Heavenly Father, we ask for your help this morning as we come to meditate upon your word. O Lord, it is such a wonderful thing to do, to consider your ways so that we will delight in you. O Lord, your word is indeed a delight, a pleasure to us. Help us not to neglect it this morning. Help us to give it the due time that it deserves as we come and try to understand more about Jesus Christ and what he did 2,000 years ago and how that impacts upon our lives right here, right now. On this Easter Sunday. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning, of course, we have come to a passage in Luke chapter 24, which is all about Easter, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you to have a black church Bible open before you if you did not bring your own, and open it up to page 1047. Page 1047, Luke chapter 24. And we'll be looking at this passage, and particularly verse 5 in great detail. Because here we see in this passage that some women come to the tomb. So Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried in the tomb. And then early on the first day of the week, we read in verse 24, that some women come. Uh, Verse 1 of chapter 24. Verse 1 of chapter 24 of Luke's Gospel, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning... The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. These women go to the tomb, expecting to find Jesus' body so that they can give it the preparations that they wish to do so. But they find that the tomb is empty. And then something quite remarkable happens. We read in verse 4 that some other people show up. Verse 4 says, While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. These are unusual men, and we understand that they are angels. They are angels sent by God. And these men show up as these women are wondering, why is the tomb empty? And they have something to say to the women. What do they say? Well, in verse 5, we see that they ask a question. Verse 5 of Luke chapter 24, we read, In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? The angels are asking the women a question, and by asking that question, they're actually making a statement about the women's behavior. They're saying, basically, it is absurd for you to be looking for Jesus' body here. Why? Because he's alive. He's alive, and so you are looking for a living person where dead people stay, in a cemetery. You're looking for a living person in a cemetery. It'd be like going to a funeral, and you know all the time that you're there at the funeral and there's a coffin at the front that there's no body In the coffin. There's no dead person there. And so you're there at the funeral and you are basically looking for a dead person amongst the dead, but in fact the person is not there. Now, sometimes coffins are indeed buried without people in them, and that's because the body goes missing. And so people think that the person is indeed dead somewhere, but they haven't got the body, and so they have the funeral. But it is absurd to have such a funeral if you know that the person whose funeral you're attending is actually alive and well somewhere else in the world. That is what the angels are saying to these women. It is absurd for you to be here looking for a living person where dead people usually are kept. Now this may happen from time to time that people look for a dead person when they're actually alive somewhere else, and some people suspect that this actually happened with one of our Prime Ministers. One of our Prime Ministers, Harold Holt, went missing um, many years ago. Uh, A Guardian newspaper overview of the event says that Holt had been Prime Minister for 22 months when he disappeared in 1967. So 1967, a long time ago for many of us in the room, maybe not so long ago for some of us who can remember it. Uh, that's not me. Um, I wasn't born in 1967. But he went for a swim in the ocean, our Prime Minister, Harold Holt, and he then never came back. And the Guardian newspaper overview of the, of, of the event said, in the fevered Cold War climate, this simply fuelled the conspiracy theories and provided Australians with their own home-grown version of the John F. Kennedy assassination intrigue. So people started to have all kinds of conspiracy theories about what had happened to Harold Holt, what had happened to our Prime Minister. And one of those uh, was suggested by a former Australian naval officer in 1983, Ronald Titcombe, who persuaded the British novelist Anthony Gray that Holt had been a Chinese spy since the early 1930s. So our Prime Minister, Harold Holt, was a Chinese spy since the 1930s. And he claimed that Holt, fearing detection by Australian intelligence officers, had sought political asylum in a Chinese midget submarine waiting off Portsea near Melbourne. There's this conspiracy theory. Harold went for a swim. I should say Prime Minister Holt went for a swim. He went out for a swim and a Chinese midget submarine actually picked him up because he was a Chinese spy. Holt's widow, the fashion designer Zara Holt, dismissed this conspiracy theory several years later when she said, Harry, Chinese submarine? He didn't even like Chinese cooking. She dismissed it out of hat. But you consider, they never found his body. Maybe Harold Holt was picked up by a Chinese midget submarine. And he's 110 now, and he's somewhere in China, still alive and well. What does that mean? Well, it means that that massive search mission that was undertaken at the time to find his body, one of the largest, they said, of Australian searches at sea, was a complete waste of time. It was equivalent of what the angels say here to the women. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's in a midget submarine headed to China. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for him at sea? He's alive and well somewhere else. But unlike Harold Holt, we know that Jesus definitely did die. We know that Jesus did die. There were eyewitnesses to the fact, many eyewitnesses, and they're recorded for us in the New Testament that Jesus did indeed die. But also, unlike Harold Holt, Jesus was seen alive and well after his death. After his death, he was alive and well. And there were eyewitnesses to the fact of his resurrection as well. And Luke chapter 24 gives some of those eyewitnesses, as other parts of the Bible do as well, testifying that Jesus did die, but he also came back to life. And so it is absurd for people to look for the living one, to look for Jesus as a living one among the dead. But sadly, people still think of Jesus as dead and so have not embraced the life that he gives. We know that it's the case that people still think that Jesus is among the dead because otherwise there'd be more people in church this morning. There'd be a lot more people who have changed lives and following Christ around the world. We know that many, many people may accept that Jesus did indeed exist. He was a man who lived on this earth. But they still consider him to be among the dead, not among the living. And this is sad because this means that they have not embraced the eternal life that Jesus experienced and that we can experience as well. But it's interesting that people will consider Jesus to be among the dead and won't look for life In Him, But they will look among the dead for life in other sources. People don't just ignore Jesus as among the dead. They do the opposite. They look for life among the dead. People look for life by following the teachings of those who have definitely died and are still dead. What am I speaking about? Well, other religions. People look for life in Muhammad. He died and stayed dead. People look for life in Krishna in Hinduism, but he died and is still dead. They look for life in the Buddha. He died and is still dead. People look for life in Christian cult leaders. Mary Baker Eddy, leader of the Christian science cult, which says that there is no such thing as sickness. It's all in your head. Well, what happened to her? She died. But people still look for life in her People look for life in Russell, the leader of the JWs, who started the Jehovah's Witnesses. But he died, no longer amongst us, many years ago, but they look for life in him. People look for life in Joseph Smith, the one who started the Latter-day Saints, who started Mormonism, but he died as well, over a century ago, and they still look for life in him. And people look for life in dead health gurus as well. It's very interesting that many people may shun in our society uh, religions, and you don't look at these dead people for ways of having life, but they will look to health gurus as ways of having life. But many of the health gurus have died as well. There was a recent report earlier this month by a journalist, Pagan Kennedy, and she wrote an article called The Secret to Longer Life, Don't Ask These Dead Longevity Researchers. That's the title of her article, "Looking The Secret to a Longer Life, Don't Ask These Dead Longevity Researchers. Because she uh, conducted a safari, as she describes it, through recent obituary papers, hunting for dead longevity experts to find out how their experiments ended. So she looked for people who advocated, I can promise you long life, and then she was looking at whether they lived long lives. And so she started in the 1930s when an American nutritionist named Clive McKay designed a low calorie diet for his lab rats that gave them all the nutrients they needed but kept them as thin as supermodels and presumably ravenous. So he got these lab rats and gave them just what they needed to live but kept them hungry. The diet seemed to act like a time machine And Dr. McKay's hungry rats maintained their dapper, glossy coats of fur and frisked about their cages. Their well-fed counterparts dotted about in shabby coats and then died. So by starving some lab rats, by only giving them just amount of nutrients to keep them going... They were able to live much longer. Dr McKay announced in the laboratory today are two male white rats that are the equivalent in age to men more than 130 years. So it basically got these lab rats to live to what would be equivalent in human terms 130 years by simply starving them and only giving them exactly what they needed. And so he then promoted calorie restriction diets for humans. And as a gentleman farmer himself, the journalist goes on, Dr. McKay applied his theories to himself, nibbling on morsels from his own fields. He practiced what he preached. But he didn't make it close to 130. Though trim and athletic, he had two strokes and died at 69. Over the decades that followed, research teams would repeat his experiments and confirm that calorie restriction almost always prolonged the lives of lab animals. One of the most prominent of those scientists, Roy Walford, showed that a strict diet could double the lifespan of mice. So they replicated it with mice, other mice. He'd done it with rats, he does it with other researchers, did it with mice. And if you restrict the amount of calories they have, they will live much longer. And Dr. Walford, so this is another scientist himself, he stuck to a a 1,600-calorie-a-day diet. And in the 1980s, he wrote the 120-year diet and then followed it up with even more misery and abnegation in beyond the 120-year diet. So these people were promoting, if you stick to our diets, you will live beyond 120 years because we've done it with mice. He became a cult figure to thousands of cronies, they were called. Cronies stands for so it's C-R-O-N-I-E-S. C, calorie restriction with optimal nutrition enthusiasts. Cronies, calorie restriction with optimal nutrition enthusiasts. And he hoped to live past 100, practising what he preached. But he himself died of Lou Gehrig's disease at age 79. And this reporter goes through multiple people who promise to give long life if you would simply follow their diets. And sadly, people still look for life among such dead people. They look for life among the dead Mohammeds, the dead Krishnas, the dead cult leaders, the dead health gurus. They look for living among the dead. They look for life amongst the dead. But we understand that life... True life, eternal life, not just getting past 130 years, getting past a billion years, is found alone in Jesus Christ. Life is found only in the author of life, Jesus Christ. Jesus promised to give life, eternal life, to all those who trust in him. And so if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, recognize that you are not going to live forever. You are not going to be raised with a glorious resurrection body and live in paradise with Jesus Christ. And so you need to do so today. You need to stop looking for life among the dead, which is what you must be doing if you're not trusting in Jesus Christ. You must be looking for life in some other source, some other person, whether it's even your own ideas as to how you can have eternal life. You must stop doing that. And you must stop putting Jesus among the dead. You must stop... Saying Jesus, ah oh yes, great man, great teachings, as many people will love to say, but he died, and there's no life in him anymore. You need to recognise that he is alive. He was raised from the dead, and we have eyewitness accounts to that fact. And you need to trust in his life now. You need to trust that he died for you, and the life that he gives does indeed last forever. Start following the teachings of Jesus Christ today. Turn from your sin. Recognise you have done wrong against the eternal God and trust that he gave his son so that you could live forever. That at the cross, he took the punishment that you deserve for your sins so that you could live forever with him. But if you are a Christian and you're here this morning, I've got a question for you. Do you live as though Jesus is among the living? Do you live as though Jesus is among the living? The actions of the women on Easter Sunday, so many years ago, they show they didn't believe in Christ as they should have. At first glance, it seems a bit harsh, this question from the angels to these women. They're lovely women, they're getting up early, and they're going to the tomb to look after Jesus' body. Very kind of them to do so. And then these two men, these two angels, say to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? How are they to know that Jesus was alive? Why are they getting rebuked? Why do you look for the living among the dead? You should know better. The thing is, they should have known better. They believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They believed that he was the Messiah. Death could not keep him down. Death could not hold him in the grave. It was impossible for death to take a hold of him. And they should have known that just by believing what they did about Jesus Christ. But also, Jesus had told them, I will rise again. And the angels say that to them in the very next verses. Look with me at verse 5 again. It says, In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Bit harsh? Well, read verse 6. He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day, he even told them when he was going to rise, on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. The women should have known better than to look for the living among the dead. They should have known that Jesus, as the Son of God, could not stay in the grave. And they should have known that because of Jesus' words that he was going to be alive and well on the third day and he was no longer dead. And so the women deserve this rebuke from the men. The question is, do we, as people who profess to be believers of Jesus Christ, believers in Jesus Christ, to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, do we need this same rebuke? Do we need to be rebuked that we often behave as though... Jesus is still among the dead. Do our actions show that we hold Jesus in high respect, but don't really believe he's alive? Do we often go about our lives as though Jesus isn't alive, despite what we profess, and that may be shown by the small amount that we communicate with Jesus? If Jesus is alive, then he listens to us when we pray to him. He speaks to us by his word and he still acts in our lives. And so if we believe that he is alive and he does listen to us and he does speak to us and he does act in our lives, then we should be interacting with him a lot more than we probably do. And so we should know better than to behave as though the living one is actually among the dead. If we believe that he is the author of life, that he is the son of God and that his word says he is alive, then we should be interacting with him far far more than we actually do. What would it look like for you to truly believe that Jesus is alive? How would your life be revolutionised in a way that it hasn't been already yet? I'll give you an account from church history as to how people were revolutionised in their lives by the truth of the gospel about Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And this comes from the 1700s in North America where Jonathan Edwards speaks about the revival that he witnessed as a pastor in his town. He describes the revival in these, ways, in this, in these words. He says, A great and earnest concern about the great things of religion and the eternal world became universal in all parts of the town and among persons of all degrees and all ages the noise amongst the dry bones waxed louder and louder. All other talk about, but about spiritual and eternal things was soon thrown by. People would throw away all conversation except about eternal things, about eternal life. All the conversation in all companies and upon all occasions was upon the thing, these things only, unless so much as was necessary for people carrying on their ordinary secular business. Discourse, other than of the things of religion, would scarcely be tolerated in any company. The minds of people were wonderfully taken off from the world. It was treated amongst us as a thing of very little consequence. They seemed to follow their worldly business more as a part of their duty than from any disposition they had to it. The temptation now seemed to lie on that hand to neglect worldly affairs too much and to spend too much time in the immediate exercise of religion. People started to spend so much time talking about Jesus and reading his word and speaking to him in prayer that they started to not really want to go to work or do anything else. This was exceedingly misrepresented by reports that were spread in distant parts of the land as though people here had wholly thrown by all worldly business and betook themselves entirely to reading and praying and such like religious exercises. What is Edwards describing here? As people have no time for anything but discussion of Jesus Christ. These are people who have been touched with the truth that Jesus is not among the dead, that he's among the living that Jesus is alive and that there's eternal life in him and that this world is not our home. We have a better home where we will go to be with the one who is alive. So do you behave like someone who understands Jesus is alive, really alive? Or do you consider him as someone who did something maybe for you 2,000 years ago? He paid for your sins at the cross, but you've never really reflected in your own life, what it means, that he is alive and listens to you and speaks to you and acts in your life. Do you see Jesus as living? So you listen to him. You talk to him and you call on him to act. Do you see Jesus as living? So you despise promises of life from other dead places, whether it be dead health gurus, longevity experts, or whether it be Other religions, you despise them. You say, No, there is no eternal life to be found in those gurus. You see Jesus as living, so you serve him, witnessing for him, living a holy life, recognizing that your master is not a dead master, but he's an alive master and he's watching everything you do. It's interesting when you're at work and you know that the boss is watching, you work a little bit harder. When the boss isn't there, you don't work as hard. Now consider this, Jesus is alive and he knows all things. He watches you at all times. There's never a moment that goes past and he's not watching. He's alive. Do you live like that? But the master's eye, the living master's eye, is on you at all times. Or does it sometimes look like your master may be dead and he's not around and he's not watching you? So you can get up to what you like. You're not going to serve him as faithfully as you should. You meet with others because you know Jesus is alive. To spend time with other believers and him. It's this wonderful truth that when you get together with other believers, Jesus is in them and Jesus is in his word as he speaks. And so when you meet for Bible study, you're not just meeting with the other people from church, you're meeting with Christ the living Christ, and it's a privilege to be able to spend time with other believers and hear the Saviour's voice. We all need to ask ourselves this Easter Sunday, if people were to look at my life, would they think that Jesus was among the dead or among the living? If the only thing they had to look at was your life, would they see that there was a lot of interaction between you and this person, Jesus. And they would say, I don't know who Jesus is, but this person that I know, they really do believe he's alive. They're always speaking to him. They're always listening to him. They're always calling on this Jesus to act in their life. Would someone say that about your life? Or is Jesus, for you, more like one of those Facebook friends, an acquaintance that you friended a long time ago, And to be honest, if they were dead, it wouldn't really impact your life very much because you don't really interact with him anyway. That's how it often is with Facebook friends. They could be there, they might not be there. At the end of the day, the only good thing about them is their statistic as to how many friends you've got. They bump up your numbers. Is Jesus like a Facebook friend? He could be dead, he could be alive, It doesn't really make much impact upon my life, whether he's dead or alive. If we profess to be believers in Jesus Christ and believe that he is living, not dead, then that should be shown in our lives. It should impact everything about our lives, that this one was dead but is living. No one else has ever done that. And that then should have a phenomenal impact upon our lives now i'm thankful for the way that i see the ways that i see that we do believe that jesus is alive but we could all improve myself included we could certainly interact with the living savior far more than we do and we could certainly live more obedient lives for the living master more than we do and so i pray that god would indeed grant us greater faith that Jesus is risen, that Jesus is alive, so that our lives, our lives, are impacted more by that truth, that Jesus is not among the dead, he's among the living. Let us come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, far too often we have looked for life among the dead and acted as though Jesus was among the dead, rather than among the living. Oh Lord, we pray that you would help us to remember that he is alive and to show that he is alive by the way that we live, interacting with him regularly throughout the day, and so that other people may look at our lives and say, who is this Jesus who you always seem to be talking about, so that we can share with them that there is one who has conquered death. There's just one. And that is Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ gives life to people who are sinners against God. Despite their sin, he forgives their sin and raises them if they trust in him. So, Lord, we pray that you would use us to be great witnesses for yourself, great witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive. And, Lord, we pray that you would help anyone in this room right now who does not believe that Jesus is among the living. We pray that they would no longer look for the dead among the dead, but look for the living among the dead by coming to faith in Jesus Christ here and now, today, this Easter Sunday. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.